Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Hello, friends. Welcome. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, as we now dive deep into a willingness to serve you, lead and guide us as we uh, talk about this important topic in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben Pickman shared a story uh, in Sports Illustrated a couple of years ago where he writes, a simple yes led to a lifelong service. Now, Herb Turetsky, probably many of you have never heard of him, but he once was attending the New Jersey Americans' first ever ABA game in October of 1967. He was just expecting to just be a fan, and yet Tereski at the time was a student of Long Island University, Brooklyn, and he had arrived early to the uh, Tianic Armory. Now, Max Saslavsky, the Americans' coach at the time and the general manager, uh, they also had attended the same high school, greets him and he says, hey, can you help us out and keep score of the game tonight? And Tereski is like, Max, I'd love to. In fact, I'm here, so why not? Tereski sat down at a wooden folding chair at half court and jotted down the lineups. And there was more than two, over 2,000 games in 53, actually 54 years uh, later. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. But since then, the team had moved to several different cities, from New York, finally to Brooklyn, and... They played in eight arenas and absorbed into the NBA. Now, Tresky, he's still settling into that wooden chair, and he said, I've never left that seat since, he says. I'm still here, and I'm still going. In fact, uh, NBA official Bob Delaney once called him the Michael Jordan of scorekeepers. And Sports Illustrated also referred to him as the courtside contestant. One simple yes led to a meaningful, lifelong service. Can you imagine that? Now, today's unsung hero is someone whose name we don't even know. We only know that he or she was essentially a servant to the king, but he was at the right place at the right time to make a suggestion that would ultimately alter King David's life forever. So, today we're looking at the unknown servant. To understand, though, the background, we have to go actually to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we're also going to study chapter 16. So, let's dive in to have a better and more complete picture. Chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm just going to read this chapter to get the whole perspective. King Saul is a ruler of Judah and Israel. And if we look at this rule, it's, it's almost like he never fully committed to being a, a, a ruler, Okay. He's always been a reluctant king, so much so that God finally says enough to King Saul and he chooses David, all right? And so in chapter 15, as Samuel, the prophet, goes to Saul and he says, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over the people of Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. Okay, this is very key. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. This is a key point, all. Do not spare them, 
put them to death, men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men. They mustered them up at Talaam, 200,000, okay? 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 from Judah. Sorry, 200,000. And Saul went to the city of Amalek and set the ambush in the ravine. And then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I don't have to destroy you along with them. So kind of a little bit of a courtesy. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. And then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. And he took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all the people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle. Remember, what were they supposed to destroy? Everything. It says, he also said, the fat calves, the lambs, everything that was good, they kept it. These were, they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Mm. So it's here that they didn't do what God had asked. And that was, they did not destroy everything. And for Saul, this was the beginning of the end for his rule. So let's continue. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And God says, I regret that I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was angry. And he cried out to the Lord all that night. Samuel took his job pretty seriously, in my opinion. And early in the morning, Samuel got up. He went to, tr to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and turned and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel reacted. He reached out. And Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. And Samuel says, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Interesting, you know what I just realized? Why didn't he say our God? That we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Saul says, tell me. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agog, their king. Remember, what was he supposed to do? <laughs> and then he responds with, The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as King Saul. And Saul says to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. 
Saul was not a leader. Like I said, he was a reluctant king. And now I beg you, forgive my sin. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You've rejected the worst, sorry, the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being, that he should change his mind. And Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. And then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him in chains, and he thought, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, Nuh-uh-uh. As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. And then Samuel left for Ramah, but Saul went to his home in Gilbeah of Saul. And until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And now let's move into chapter 16. So we see that Saul is no longer, well, he still technically stays king, but God's spirit is no longer with him. And so the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Who is this Jesse? He has several sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me because Saul, he doesn't forget things. He's a little bit of a, uh, he's got a little bit of a, uh, he, he doesn't forget things. And so the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And Samuel did what the Lord had said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, I come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, nope. Do not consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward experience, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse had Shema come pass by. But Samuel said, nope, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons pass by before Samuel. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, go get him, send him for him. We will not all sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health. He had the fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah.
And so then David, now when the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. And Saul said to the attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So he needed some soothing music to drown out this tormenting spirit that he experienced. And here in verse 18, this is the crux passage, the one key verse that's going to stand out today. One of the servants answered. Who is this servant? We don't know. But one of the servants answered. I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. And it's here that we find the unknown servant makes a suggestion about David to bring him into the king's palace and serve the king. And Saul would regularly have moments of discomfort. And guess who would come in to play some music to soothe his soul? David. And there we eventually see that there will be a changing of the guard. David, although he's anointed, he doesn't become king right away. In fact, it would be several years before he would be recognized as king over Judah and Israel. And David's path to becoming king would be a bumpy road because Saul did not relinquish that throne easily. For the unknown servant, though, we can take a lesson, actually a few lessons from this individual. Now, serving the Lord can happen anytime and anywhere. It can happen anytime and anywhere. If you've taken the chance to serve the Lord through speaking to others, where has that taken place? Has it taken place in the store, the post office, the park, your neighbor's house, your work, your school? It could be anywhere. And oftentimes, it's unexpected. Where is the craziest place that maybe you've shared Jesus with others? It can be with a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, your best friend, or a complete stranger. Now, some of you may be asking, well, what do I say? What do I talk about? And my friends, it's something we've shared, and I got to remind you, it's something that is so simple, okay? The best tool that you have in your toolbox to sharing Jesus with others is how God impacted your life and changed your life, okay? We're not rocket scientists. Some of you may be thinking, that's it? That's too easy. Yes, it's not hard to talk about God because people want to see how God has shaped and changed people's lives. They want to see in real life how someone can change for the better. They've heard stories and maybe even read the Bible, but to see someone in real life, real time, change their life around for the better, that's what people want to see. Some of you may be excited because God has done wonderful things in your life and, and you have a ton of stories and that's amazing. Yet there's some of you, okay, I'm, I, I was one of those. Some of you may be thinking my life is boring. I don't have this great Saul to Paul experience. I don't have this great huge story. My life is a little more simpler than that. That's okay. Not everyone in the Bible had the same experience either. Many of us simply have heard the word and stories and, and concluded, you know what? I want to follow Jesus because I love him and I want to change my life. It makes sense. We all have different stories. And that's great because we can reach different people, different perspectives, different needs. And the next thing that we can take from the story of the unknown servant is, are you humble and ready to serve? 
Andrew Jacobs, he shares a story in the New York Times a few years back when the, the Minnesota National Guard who were serving their people, okay? And so soldiers in the Minnesota National Guard, they had an exceptional year several years back. They had helped process Afghan refugees fleeing to the United States. They provided security at American military bases in the Horn of Africa, but none of those experiences prepared the members of the Guard for their latest deployment at the time. They're collecting bedpans, clipping toenails, keeping residents at Northridge Health and Rehab, a large nursing home in Minneapolis that is the largest in the state. One soldier said, I've had protesters throw apples and water bottles at me, but that doesn't compare to the challenge of giving someone a bed bath. Over 30 guard members have been working at a certifi as certified nursing assistants at a Northridge which has been so badly hobbled by an exodus of employees. Can you imagine that? They had to bring the guard in because nobody wanted to go back to work. Now, the governor at the time, Tim Waltz, said, our healthcare workforce is heartbroken and fatigued. Having the guard provide a bit of a respite is a godsend. One of them, Staff Sergeant Nathan Madden, whose civilian job is an assistant manager at a home improvement store, like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or an Ace, he said the past two weeks have given him a newfound appreciation for those who care for the sick and for the elderly. This kind of work is humbling for sure. It's great to help out in the community. I have older parents, so in a way, this is preparing me for what I might have to do one day. Can you imagine that? The humility that it takes. Guy who works at Lowe's or Home Depot is clipping toenails, changing bedpans, giving bed baths to those who need it. And the final lesson we can take from the unknown servant is this. Are you ready to take a chance? To speak up or try taking a risk? What if you look dumb or things don't pan out the way you think they will? Yeah, <laughs> there is that possibility. Or it can be a life-changing moment for you and this person. But you don't know if you don't try. And guess what? If it doesn't go the way that you think it will, it's okay. What can I learn from this? And how can I do better? How often do we always get it in our head that the first time it has to be right? Sometimes it takes more than that. You know, you could try several times before you get it right. How many of you have gotten a new recipe to make dinner or a cake and you realize that the flavor just didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. So what do you do? You tweak it a little bit. You try something new. Maybe put a little less sugar or a little more flavoring, whatever. Sharing your story will improve because the more you, have, the more you live by faith, the more stories you will be able to tell. Look at the early church. How did the gospel move so fast? Because the early believers truly experienced God's blessing and wanted everyone that they cared about to know and have the same joy. They told their friends, their family, their neighbors. It was all word of mouth. So as we land the plane today, I want you to reflect, think back and reflect, how has God blessed you and helped you to overcome the many challenges that you've experienced in life and also been a blessing? Don't just think about the bad things, share the good things. And this challenge for this week, pray. Step out in faith by taking a chance to share how God has done something amazing in your life. Or if anything, <laughs> preach the gospel, and if you have to, you use words. 
May God bless you and be with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your good and your mercy endures forever. Forgive us, Lord, of our shortcomings. Thank you for the many blessings that you have blessed us with. And God, please help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, still our hearts, the things that we're dealing with, the challenges, may we give them to you to be faithful and to let you, Lord, captain and lead our life. Help us to be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. And Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to be willing to take risks. Lord, place us in areas where we can be a servant for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care, everyone. We love you. We'll see you soon.